This is Dr. Paul Sabin of North Valley Dermatology. It turns out there are a couple of new sun protective measures. It seems that exercise and caffeine together may be helpful in preventing skin cancer. Researchers at Rutgers University studied the effects of caffeine and exercise on mice as it relates to skin cancer. These mice were given water laced with low-dose caffeine, the human equivalent of about one or two cups of coffee per day, and a running wheel for voluntary exercise. This combination increased their ability to kill off sun-damaged cells by almost 400%. Now, this doesn't mean you won't need any other sun protection, and they still need to do a lot of research to see if it's true in humans. But the research looks promising. Be sure to grab that cup of joe before you go for your run or your ride this morning, and your skin will thank you for it. I'm Dr. Paul Sabin, and that's what's good for the skin you are in. If you have skin care questions, make an appointment today with Dr. Paul Sabin of North Valley Dermatology. Call Dr. Paul Sabin today at 342-3686. Again, that's 342-3686. St. John the Baptist Catholic Church of Chico is proud to help bring you Seeds of Truth. Heard every weeknight evening from 6.30 to 7 p.m. right here on KKXX. St. John the Baptist Parish is a Catholic family community serving our area with a variety of services and ministries for both Catholics and the community at large. St. John's Catholic family welcomes anyone and offers a wide range of programs and ministries from prayer and support groups to socials and Christian cultural activities. Call the parish office for a complete Mass schedule or more information at 343-8741 or visit the website at stjohnthebaptistchico.org. St. John the Baptist Catholic Church welcomes anyone seeking spiritual fulfillment at Mass or Benediction or 24-hour weekday adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. Call St. John's Parish Office, 343-8741 or on the web at stjohnthebaptistchico.org for a complete schedule or more information. This is Seeds of Truth. Your host is Joe Holcraft. Doctor of Theology of St. John's Catholic Parish and the Sacramento Diocese. If you have a question or would like to participate in today's program, call 894-7325. Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host coming to you uh, from KKX X, uh, radio station here, 104.5 FM and AM 930. Joe Holcraft. Uh, Bob, <clears throat> you will be. we will be journeying together on... Uh, this topic of Pope Francis, I, I've been talking about this the past few nights, and uh, I'm really excited to really get into this man, uh, Pope Francis. Uh, I, we were talking before, and no, if there's any one topic that uh, people are talking about right now in the Catholic Church, it is this man, this figure, Pope Francis. Uh, and so, it is with a sense of energy and excitement that uh, we have the opportunity uh, each and every Wednesday night to focus in on this man, Pope Francis, uh, and just not his writings, but who he is as a person. And uh, 
hopefully we'll be able to answer some questions as well out there. I know a lot of people want to know more about him. So much is being written about him right now. So, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's good to be here with you, Bob. I know you've been obviously my most consistent for those faithful listeners out there, uh, guests with me through the last oh, six, seven years. Uh, and so it's good to have you with me, especially on this night. Well, thank you, Joe. And, uh, and as you said, you know, this is a, a fascinating topic. And when you asked me to join you for, especially Wednesday nights, and this, this subject matter, it's like, um, you know, how could I pass that up? Because there's been, it's an opportunity for all, all of us to really get to know, you know, our Pope, to get yeah. to know the man, to get to know what he's, he really represents. Because like you said, uh, we were talking about it earlier, when they, when they announced you know, um, who was to become the next pope? All the media was scrambling to figure out to find files um, yeah. and and information on who he is. Because nobody knew who he was. It's fascinating. If you were to rewind a week before the election, and really a year ago this time, okay, a year ago this time, uh, to uh, the election of Pope Francis, you 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 could go to a website, doadvent.org. And newadvent.org was like placing these percentages next to these cardinals uh, based on what they were hearing on whether or not they're going to be the next pope, right? So, and, and every day, almost uh, every other hour, these numbers would, would fluctuate. You know, a Cardinal O'Malley would go from, you know, a, a 9% chance to a 17% chance. You know, uh, Cardinal Schoenborn would go from 21% to 29% based upon the rumor. No one. Bob, no one was talking about Cardinal Bergoglio. Did they have a Las Vegas line on that? I mean, was there a <laughs> betting know. line? <laughs> you know, actually, you laugh, you laugh, but I don't know. I was talking to a priest friend of mine, and he had brought it up, and he had suggested that there might have been. Wait, you know, I, money on I, I don't know. Well, and what's the point? <clears throat> he was not on the radar screen. He was not on the radar screen, and ultimately, what does this tell us? This tells us that he is a man of the Holy Spirit. That you know, these cardinals went into that conclave, and a conclave is what we call the election of the Pope, the time where the cardinals come together to pray and elect the Pope. Uh, he, no one knew, no one knew. And yet, what's so fascinating about this, where some of these outlets, these media outlets, thought they had their pulse on who was going to be the next Pope based upon what they were hearing. <laughs> What little feedback kind of uh, sifted through the cracks, if you will, uh, was that he was the man from the very beginning. You know, he was by far and away. Now, of course, we've come to know that uh, it was really between he and Pope Benedict XVI uh, last election. And then, of course, we know that Pope Benedict was Pope for, for the, his time, eight years. But ultimately, uh, to highlight what you're saying, Bob, this is a man that no one knew about. And if we needed any more convincing, when they went out to announce that we have a Pope there on the balcony, he announces the name, and of course he, names, he changes his name to Francis, but he says, Bergoglio, no one knows. There's just this kind of hush. In fact, I think one of the, one of the uh, TV outlets I was watching was talking about how, well, is he going to announce? And it was kind of awkward because he did. That this, this, this journalist who is reporting on the election of, of the next Pope didn't even recognize the name. <laughs> It was striking, and all of this highlights really the work of the Holy Spirit, Bob, and ultimately really calls us to, to take a step back. And, you know, with God, expect the unexpected. 
especially with the election of popes. <laughs> you know, and again, this is uh, some exciting stuff. And you know, so what happens? He's elected, <clears throat> and all of all of the drive-by media wants to you know grab a hold of something to report on. You know, typically something original. And what was the first thing that that went out there? Well, he is a man who liked to cook for himself. He's a man who lived in this very humble apartment. He's a man who would live with the poor. He's a man who would go on the bus, all these things. And these are very important to who he is. But to understand who he is and why God elected him to be the next pope and what this means for the Catholic Church and to do it right, Bob, we're going to spend some time with his first major document what we call an apostolic exhortation. He, he named it the joy of the gospel. Now, what's an exhortation? Well, in simple terms, what happens in the church is when there's something that the church feels that is pressing, that is important for them to look at, they call uh, what, what we call a synod. So the, the cardinals will convene, uh, bish- bishops convene, priests, and even some laymen. They come together and they talk about this pressing issue. And then what they do is they give a certain number of initiatives to the Pope so as to write this document. And what this document is, is an exhortation to essentially say to the bishops, the cardinals, go back to your home diocese and implement this. Okay? So here you have Pope Francis writing his first major document on what? Well, the joy of the gospel, but essentially on evangelization evangelization. Now, why is this important in light of what we were first hearing about this man, Bob? Essentially, his heart for the poor is that you cannot separate evangelization and poverty. You cannot separate the mission of the church from being poor, just not in its material realm, but in its spiritual realm, okay? And this is quintessential for the church to grab hold of. And what, what a beautiful way to really kick off his papacy with this document. And what this also affords us to do, Bob, is it will allow us to get to know the man. This is the longest exhortation that has been written in a long time. I mean, it is a long exhortation. And there's a lot that has gone into this. Now, we might be familiar with this exhortation for those of you listeners out there who might be in your car, or maybe <clears throat> you're listening to this at home, or maybe you're online. You might be familiar with Pope Francis and this document because of what Rush Limbaugh was saying. When we get there, we'll talk about why Rush Limbaugh was wrong. He isolated something he said out of context. He took something out of context, and he threw it into his understanding of the political sphere. Ultimately, and I'm not disparaging Rush Limbaugh at all here, but what I'm saying is he did what we all do, where we have that tendency to (laughs) pull something out of context and make it, we want it to mean something that it actually doesn't mean. And uh, so when we get there, we'll talk about that. And we maybe, maybe we've heard of this document in another context. We are going to do this right, Bob. And what I mean by that is we are going to go through this document starting from the very beginning and we're going to see the thought develop. And what's beautiful about this is it's simple. <laughs> you know, it's simple. <laughs> we were talking before how, you know, <clears throat> there's a tendency to hear the word or phrase church document in that in itself. It's, it's intimidating. 
it's intimidating. And, and so we don't read, you know, these kinds of things. Pope Francis has said on an occasion, you know, uh, I'm not big on church documents because so much of his emphasis is on love. Of course, he sees the importance of it and the value of it for us to reflect upon uh, the nature and truth and whatnot. So, yeah. And then as we were, you know, preparing for tonight, I, I, I had a chance to read some of this exhortation and <clears throat> you're right. It's, it's, it's in layman's terms and it's all rooted in scripture in in gospel and love and, and the joy that's associated with our ability to be able to disenfranchise ourselves from consumerism, which we're going to get into. And, you know, I mean, that's, that was what Christ preached. Christ preached about yeah, the scribes and the Pharisees were always, you know, was, was out there as an yeah. example of what not to be. And you can see Pope Francis in the early months of his papacy, um, a real calling out not only of the church itself, but of society in terms of how are we really dealing with the poorest of the poor? How are we dealing with the joy of being able to live you know, in, 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 in a certain degree of poverty ourselves, no matter what our lot in life is. Yeah. Amen to that. And when we talk about this document being caught up in in the language of love, this is not some sort of nicety we're talking about. I mean, this is love and truth. This is the love that challenges. This is the love that says, you want to know what? I'm going to be uncomfortable doing this, but I'm going to do it by the grace of God, because I know this is going to bring me to the place where, where God has wanted me to go. Uh, and there's a tendency to reduce what that word means, love, to make it something that it's not. And if, if there's anything that Pope Francis has done in his first year is he's really elevated our understanding of love, and he's challenged us. He's challenged us to get off our couches, to get out there, and, uh, you know, be with those who are most in need. You know, stop wasting time. You know, he, he, what did he say just a few days ago? And he repeated himself today. Just a few days ago, he was talking about the problem of vanity. And what struck me, Bob, and what does vanity mean? Vanus in the Latin means, it means nothingness, emptiness. And in the Old Testament, when, when it's used, it's in the context of wasting your time. You know, what did he say today in his Wednesday audience? If you have not been to the sacrament of confession, stop wasting time. It was, it was a headline on newadvent.org. Stop wasting time. I went to his Wednesday audience and he was really adamant. What are you waiting for? He says in the third paragraph in the document we're going to get into, reintroduce yourself to Jesus Christ. Renew yourself in your relationship with Jesus Christ. That is what lies at the center of it all for him. And with that, he titles his document, The Joy of the Gospel, which I do want to get into here a little bit, Bob. The Joy of the Gospel. You know, why joy? Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, in his last work, it's kind of timely that his last work, um, his last book, that he gives us really highlighted joy in his third volume, Jesus of Nazareth, uh, the infancy narratives. He's reflecting upon the angelic salutation from the angel Gabriel to Mary. And he says, pay close attention because within it, we have ultimately the foundation 
that, in his terms, definitively establishes the New Testament, and that is the word kare, where we translate it as hail. And he says that works, hail full of grace, Luke 128, but he also says it means rejoice. That joy is the first proclamation of the New Testament. And I thought that's such a beautiful insight. And what's so fascinating about that is, you know, that that kairi in the Latin, if you go to the Greek, kara, it's, it's the same word that we have for grace. So, essentially, the first grace that God gives us in the proclamation of the New Testament, Bob, is joy. This life-giving spirit, this this spirit that is so effusive, it permeates, it has this way of reaching out. And it's not something that's passive. We have a tendency to think of joy in the context of evangelization, and oh, that's, that's not for me. No. Remember, this exhortation, which is t- titled The Joy of the Gospel, is an exhortation on what it means to evangelize. And in particular, the whole church's mission in her new evangelization. So it's something that's active. There's a fascinating insight that comes to us from the Adoration of the Magi, Bob, where, you know, the, the Magi come in and they, they see the infant king there. And we have the verses, <laughs> they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Well, that's kind of redundant. (laughs) It's like, okay, you're trying to make your point. Well, what's going on there? It's a very rare Greek construction. You know, the Greek is very economical. It's, you know, a couple syllables. That phrase, that series of words, 13 syllables. It's uh, (laughs) the Greek language's way of saying this joy is active. It's not passive, it's explosive. (laughs) And that's the kind of energy that Pope Francis is calling for. We were saying before we came on air, Bob, you know, he he has, if if there's been a theme to, to what he talks about, he says, enough is enough. Everything isn't a tragedy. Everything isn't sad. I mean, put a smile on your face. We know who wins, <laughs> and that's something that he's establishing early on in this document. Well, and you see, even you know, I know it's 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 really interesting when you see public figures, especially somebody like the Pope. <clears throat> flash bulbs are always going off, and and I have yet to really see a a, a picture of him where he doesn't have that little smile. Mm. Or doesn't have that smile that if you've ever been around anyone who is really really filled with this pure and simple joy. The joy of the love of Christ, the joy of, of being able to, you know, um, again, uh, distance themselves from the vanities and the, you know, the things of the world. That he has that. I mean, you just, just even look at him in pictures, and you can just see that, that pure and utter joy. And and it's not something you can you can you can say about too many public figures because mm-hmm. they're constantly being photographed. And I'm sure there are some out there. Don't get me wrong, but sure. You know, I mean, it's it's one of those it's one of those unique smiles that just genuinely does represent joy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's not something you know that he's forcing. No, it's not something no. that no. he's saying. Oh, here comes the camera, time to pop on his website. It's 
It's who he is. Right. You know, it, it, it's who he is. And part of that is because he's free from the entanglements of that consumer mentality that he preaches so aggressively against, you know, and, and he makes the point in these opening paragraphs of this document that uh, be careful of that consumer mentality. Be careful of the material, material good being the end pursuit, because ultimately it saps the energy of Christ from you. This is why he establishes joy and says what he says about what saps the energy from you in this document on evangelization. He knows that joy has this kind of power that in of itself, it just reaches out. He's aware of this because he, he's embodied it his whole life. You know, his, his famous quote early on is, you know, they have called me from a faraway land. You know, and we know that land in South America to be the new world. You know, how fitting is it that the Holy Spirit through this conclave brings forth a man from the new world for the new evangelization? Again, it's, it's this relationship between being poor in God and seeing that once you're poor in God, you have the eyes to see what you need to see. It's the, it's the great wonder of the first beatitude, Bob. And oh, I can spend hours on this, but it's so important now. I, I, I was so excited when he was elected because my dissertation that I'd written a while back is on poverty and new evangelization. And I just thought, wow, you know, it's just so cool. And all of these things are running through my head, mind, heart, all the rest. And the one thing that always stands out is that first beatitude. Be poor in God. Be poor in spirit. You know, the Greek word for spirit is panuma. It's the same word we have for, for lung, breath. We are to long for God, Bob, the same way our lungs long for air. Pope Francis says, when you've got that right, you can then evangelize. When God lives in the minutia of your every day, of your every waking hour, you get it, is what he's saying to us. And that's exciting. He says something else, and I want to read this directly from the document because it struck me when I read it. It's just in the second paragraph. He says, whenever our interior life becomes caught up in its own interests and concerns, there is no longer room for others no place for the poor. You see what he's doing here? <laughs> he's establishing this relationship between poverty and evangelization. And he says, if all your concern is about you, yourself, me, myself, and I, as they say, you're not going to get very far. You're not going to get very far. And we don't have to look very far too, too often to recognize that were you around people who are really, really incredibly self-centered? That all they can talk about is themselves. Me, 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 me. And mea culpa. There's May times I when say. I catch myself, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I enter a conversation with somebody and, hey, gosh, you know, uh, that's great that that's going on with you, Joe, but let me tell you about what's going on yeah. with me. Yeah. And what happens? You know, automatically it kind of shuts you down and pushes you out, pushes you away. Yeah, you know, well, and this is, this is what this is all about. You know, I mean, the people who are the loneliest people in the world are the people who are all about themselves. Mm-hmm. It's really, really true. Yeah. And he's taking it to a whole nother level. Yeah, he is. He says, you know, ultimately, uh, what was intended to be a dialogue when two are conversing, uh, they become these kind of uh, 
clumsy monologues. Yeah. Because there's not a very real listen response relationship there. You know, and, and so ultimately when when you're in that place of being poor in God, you will see what you need to see. You know, and there is just I a story comes to mind. I haven't shared it in a while, Bob, of my Carmelite cloistered sister who has been up there in uh, Georgetown, Northern California. She's a she's a cloistered nun. And that means that uh, she spends her days all day in prayer and work. Um, and it, it is a unique vocation, and no question. It's a unique calling in life. Um, my sister has incredible faith. Now, this is a sister who's a sister, okay, <laughs> for, for clarification. Well, the, the story, Bob, that, that I want to share is, is one that highlights the power of joy and how it evangelizes in the context of not really saying a whole lot. And that's when I was uh, teaching junior high. I've been sharing a, a lot of stories about me teaching junior high recently. <laughs> when I was teaching junior <laughs> high, I took the kids up to the, uh, Georgetown the first year. And going up there, I was getting a little nervous because I, I've been up there and it's this very small scene room where, you, you, where you're visiting her through like a railing or a grill is what they call it. And I'm, I'm counting the numbers and it's 30 some odd people going up there in this very small room and I'm sweating, Bob. I'm like, ooh, this was not a smart move. And we get there eventually <laughs> and we have two, two and a half hours with her. And we, we go into this very small scene room and they're not out there yet. And I see the parents kind of looking. I don't bobble. It was with your son. I don't know yeah, if he, he was, went. Yeah, he, he was there. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So your son. And <laughs> and I'm just, the parents are looking at me like, oh, okay, Mr. H, what are you doing? You know. And then they came out one by one. And as I like to share it, as I like to share it, Bob, you know, <laughs> if, if joy is explosive, then that is what I saw. In Georgetown that day, they came out and they were just bouncing off the walls. I mean, they, I think, literally shocked some of the students and parents by how joy-filled they were. And they were living this life of prayer and labor. And how could this be so joyful? You know, what does this mean? And then they shared about their life. And it just overwhelmed all of us. And I've experienced this already, so I was just drinking it in. And by the time we left, Bob... What I couldn't do in eight months with some of these parents and students, she did in two hours. And it was unbridled joy. It was the joy that just grabs a hold of you and wants you to be a part of something more. And that's what Pope Francis is talking about. The joy of the gospel is when you embrace the good news of essentially this grace that has been given to us to have this new relationship with Jesus Christ. I mean, and this is what our Pope is talking about in this document. It's absolutely foundational. And this is why I'm excited, Bob, to talk about this document. And we are going to get to know this man. We are going to get to know him um, in more ways maybe than we could have ever imagined because of the things he says. He challenges us to think critically about ordinary things and about superordinary things. And he does it in a way that I think we can understand. Yeah, you're right, Joe. And like I said, I've just, as I was reading last night, again, this exhortation, I just kept coming back to, wow, um, he's advocating, you know, everything that is outlined in the gospel, um, that um, everything that Jesus was about is what he is 
putting into what he represents. Mm-hmm. And you, know, you see pious people, you see people who work with the poor, you, you recognize you know, very benevolent you know, individuals. Yeah. But this is a man who's, who's not doing it for the sake of, and not that anybody you know, does a lot of their, you know, their work or their sacrifice, and he's not the only person, of course, who has, who has reached out to the poor. But he's doing it um, out of just pure and utter joy and love. You know, I mean, I'm convinced of that now after reading some parts of this document, and it's what 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 an incredible lesson, and what a what an opportunity for for that to affect you know not only the church but the world at large. You know, Bob, we if there's I was mentioning earlier the research I had done with it was on John Ball II and poverty evangelization, and during the defense I was asked the question, "What's the one thing that you were surprised by?" And my answer to that was how much John Paul II talked about materialism. And I was talking about that. And the way he spoke to it, essentially, once we stop praying, we begin to gravitate towards things of the world. And so it becomes almost this enemy of the spirit. It's not, you know, material goods are good things, you know, but all intemperance. John Paul II is saying, be careful. Pope Francis is saying, be careful. Be careful. And he himself, why does he live the way he lives? Because he knows the danger of materialism, the consumer mentality, and ultimately what that does to the interior life. And so as we move forward, Bob, we're going to have the opportunity to talk about all this in a way where, again, it's going to allow us to get to know this man, who he is. Not what that media outlet says or this media outlet says, but what he says based upon <laughs> who he is, you know, not what someone out there is saying he is. We're, we're going to go into the document and say, okay, we're going to roll up our sleeves and ask that question. Who is this man? Why has the church called him to be the Pope? And what does that mean for me and my relationship with God? Amen. We're out of time, Bob. <laughs> Once again, this 27 minutes goes by fast. But... Uh,